Good morning, church. It's pretty epic, huh? We start a new teaching series today. I'm excited. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Zach, and I have the joy of being campus pastor. You guys doing well today? It's good to be with you and be in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, um, turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We also have our message notes through the QR code online, if that's easier for you. Um, off the bat, I wanted to just start off and reemphasize. This will be the third time bringing it up, and I recognize that, but I think redundancy helps us remember. Um, we have our Team One Appreciation Banquet this Friday, and I just want to personally invite you guys, especially if you are um, on Team One or if you're a group leader or if you volunteer with TAG. Um, and I think maybe the temptation is like, oh, well, like, I only do it once a month or you know, this or that. Uh, maybe I shouldn't go. No, we want to appreciate you. Let us appreciate you. And so 6.30 next Friday. RSVP, or just show up, uh, dress up. I'm actually going to be wearing my dad's 1979 tuxedo. Come on. So, no, I'm not doing that, actually. I'm not doing that. I wouldn't fit in it, I don't think. Um, but if you have a tuxedo like that from your dad, you should wear it. Or you could wear, like, an old bridesmaid dress or something. Just go for it. And as uh, Luke, Pastor Luke kind of alluded to, I will be dancing. Amen. So... Very serious about this. Serious about dancing. Yeah, right there. Um, I'm going to be probably making a fool of myself. You want to you watch me do that. Um, secondly, I, off the bat, I wanted to um, just mention one of our very own here. He is um, uh, a brother and a leader in our church. John Bowman, is, uh, he's a missionary, and he's with Samaritan's Purse. And he, this week, I believe, um, he's going to be going off to Ethiopia, to one of the most, like, probably dangerous areas right now. There's a lot of conflict going on. And he's going to be helping, if I'm not mistaken, um, uh, refugees. He's going to be building structures for refugees. He's going to be out there and helping out and giving his leadership and all of his background with construction, stuff like that, uh, to the mission. And so I wanted to just pray for him. Would you guys join me to, to pray for him, to send him, and to cover him? Amen? Let's pray. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for John. We thank you for his, his life, that he has leveraged everything to extend the love and the goodness of the kingdom, especially to those who are finding themselves in the chaos of displacement and homelessness and war and conflict. And so we just pray a covering over him. We pray for a, a supernatural kind of dispensation of, of wisdom. He can operate with a wisdom that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. We pray a protection and travel mercies, bring him home safely. And we just pray that you are glorified in all that he does. We send him in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We love you, dude. It's going to be awesome. So last week was Mother's Day, and uh, Rachel Silver, my lovely wife, presented, to, presented the word. Uh, wasn't that good? Can we thank her for that? So good. We talk, she talked about finding purpose in the mundane, finding kingdom purpose in the mundane. And it's really been a joy to, to, to lead with her and kind of like discover and unfold maybe the mystery of who she is or like kind of each other. And we get to do this in, in church. Uh, you are made in the image of God and you are, you are mysterious and wonderful and you're discovering yourself and you get to discover uh, your spouse in, in relationship. And so I, it's been a joy to just kind of see her do her thing and discover the mystery of who she is. And that will make sense in a second. Today, we begin a new teaching series called Numa. Numa. And in this teaching series, we're going to explore the mystery of the Holy Spirit, the mystery of the Holy Spirit. And honestly, I just love this topic so much. I don't know what it is, but I just love talking about 
the Holy Spirit as he points us to Jesus. And so I'm excited for this teaching series. I want to start off today with a story from, um, about a man from the Bible who's sort of trying to figure out Jesus. He's trying to figure out this Jesus thing. He was interested in what Jesus was, was presenting, but really couldn't figure it out. And I find it interesting that Jesus points this gentleman to the Holy Spirit as a way to enter the kingdom of God and enter into this new life and this eternal life. Check this out in John chapter 3. Let's take a deep breath in and out. Let's receive this into our hearts here. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Now, I find it interesting. So Nicodemus here, a little context, is one of the religious leaders of one of the most intense sects of Judaism. Many of you guys know the Pharisees, right? These were the best of the best. They knew the scriptures better than the rest. And, and they kind of found themselves making themselves feel responsible to let everyone else know that, if you know what I'm saying. And so they were protectors of the law, and they were, they were committed to perfect adherence and obedience to it. And so, and so good old Nick over here was under the cover of night, and he's, and, and that's like interesting that John's pointing this out. It's probably to let us know that he was fearing rejection from his own people. But he knew that, Nicodemus knew that something was significant about Jesus. Something was drawing him to Jesus. So there was something significant, and, and even supernatural, he was seeing some, some miraculous works happen. There is more to this, this Jesus thing than, than just adherence to morality or adherence to the law. And so he was curious and interested, but he couldn't really, he couldn't really figure it out, right? Verse 5, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you, can, you can't explain how, the, how people are born of the Spirit. I love the end of verse, verse 6 here. The Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. It's so clear. So with that, why don't you turn to your neighbor, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, do you see that? The Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. There you go. Amen. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into it a little bit more. So, Heavenly Father, uh, we just fix our eyes on you, God. All the things that are kind of bouncing around our heads and our week, we just surrender um, all of, just like that moment um, that we were led in, we just surrender all of our success and all of our failure. We thank you for the simplicity of just being children under your care. And so would you send your Holy Spirit to illuminate this text? Um, speak to us and let us leave changed. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 
Hey, I think it'd be good for us just to recognize, moving from here, uh, that we should just face it. Um, life can be hard. Life can be hard sometimes, right? And it's almost like cliche. It's like, life is so hard. But it's true. Life can be hard. Challenges seem to abound, right? Difficulties emerge everywhere. Frustrations multiply. <laughs> like, I'm just frustrated all the time. And there's this abundant life that God came to present to us. Right, this life fully alive, fullness of life. But it seems kind of elusive sometimes, doesn't it? However, today, and I think this series is really a declaration and an invitation that we have a helper. We have a helper. We have a power. We have a presence that changes everything. It changes everything. It changes everything about how we live. This is the invitation is that we need a deeply personal and meaningful relationship with the Holy Spirit. For the Christian, the Holy Spirit is indispensable. Indispensable. Without the Holy Spirit, guys, I, have, I am flawed. I have sin. And without the Holy Spirit, I cannot conquer sin. And neither can you. We cannot conquer sin without the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we, we can't even love we can't love other people, truly. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't survive suffering with joy. We can't survive persecution. We can't live like Jesus at all. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't even be born again. Now, when we start talking, I think, I think it's, it's interesting, though, when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, it kind of, like, weirds people out sometimes. I don't know where you are with that. Maybe you're like, no, this is, this is my... This is my my wheelhouse, or maybe you're like, no, this is bizarre, so this is good, let's figure this out. But it's, it kind of weirds some people out, like Nicodemus. I mean, I think he was probably weirded out by this, like, born again, what are you even talking about? And you're bringing up this spirit, like, what is happening? This Holy Spirit. So he's a spirit, but he's holy, right? What's going on with that? In the, in the King James translation, uh, the translators call, call him the Holy Ghost, which is even weirder right? Is he like Casper the friendly ghost or like what's going on with that, right? You tracking with me? You know, Orthodox Christianity, um, and if you're new to that terminology, it's really just like the core essential beliefs, the core doctrine of the Christian faith. If you aren't uh, ascribing to orthodoxy, then you're probably a part of some divergence of Christianity. And so Orthodox Christianity has always embraced the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity. And so that's why it was, I think, really um, perfect that we were, we were reciting the Nicene Creed because it's, it's Trinitarian in nature. And it's fighting off, like a lot of the times, and I can probably go off on a tangent about the Nicene Creed and the importance of it, but it's fighting off against heresy, right? So it's important that we know this is, this is who God is. And it's, it's not some um, heresy or, you know, we can step into error, so the, Trini the Trinity, anyway, it's, it's to affirm the belief in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, uh, the Trinity, rather, is a, a theological idea that's been revealed throughout the Scripture. It's like, it starts on page one, and it goes throughout as a motif and as a truth throughout the Scriptures. Um, but it's not actually mentioned as, like, a concept like the Trinity. It's not suitcased in that word, so to speak, Right? In fact, many Christians, from what I can tell, 
Many Christians think that the Trinity is the Father, Son, and the Holy Scriptures, or the Holy Bible. You guys familiar with that? Does anyone grow up in a church tradition that was like, kind of like that? I, I did. I actually grew up in a church tradition that sort of overlooked the Holy Spirit and sort of elevated Scripture to God level. And don't get me wrong, the Scripture should be elevated to God level. It's inspired by God. It's God's unique and timeless voice. But we don't worship the Scriptures, right? We worship through the Scriptures, but we worship God. And so it's a reminder to bring us back to the person of God found in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I, but the thing is, I sympathize. Um, if you have this, this thought and you're just like, it's mysterious, um, and like, at least like with the scriptures, it's visible. You can, it's, you can put it in your hands, you can study it, it's readable, where in contrast, the Holy Spirit is a lot more mysterious. He's a lot, he's a lot less tangible. So, you know, we kind of understand, I think for most of us, we kind of understand the other members of the Trinity. We understand the Father, so he's the creator and sustainer of all things throughout the universe, that makes sense. There is the Son. We kind of understand the Son. He's the Savior and the Lord of all. He's the high priest and atoning sacrifice for our sin. We sort of understand this. But then there is the Holy Spirit, right? And I joke here, but it's like, is the Holy Spirit like the, the third wheel in the relationship? Right? Is he like the tag-along to the Father and the Son? Is he the bronze medalist of the Trinity? Is he the errand boy of Jesus and his dad? Is he the crazy uncle, right? Oh, this is sacrilegious, but, but let, let me assure you, let me assure you, uh, the Holy Spirit is God. He is God. You know, from the beginning of Scripture, the Holy Spirit has been active. He has been active, and it starts in creation history. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it says this, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In Hebrew, the word hover is the same word here for flutter. I'm not sure if you knew that, but it's used in Deuteronomy 32, um, verse 11, and it's a picture of a bird or an eagle um, sort of fluttering its wings over its young. This is in Deuteronomy. It's sending vibrations of love and care and protection. And so, it's like, picture like the young in a nest and they're just like flipping out, right? They're screaming and they need food and there's chaos in the nest. And then the bird like flutters its wings and brings care and protection in this vibration of love. And so Genesis points out that the Holy Spirit produced vibrations to generate energy necessary to bring order and new life out of chaos. Now, I think it's really crucial for us to recognize that there are a lot of counterfeits of this. There's a lot of counterfeits of this. New Age religion, candidly, New Age spirituality and Eastern religions, they all promote this kind of stuff. They promote vibrations and energy and stuff like that. But these are, honestly, these are counterfeits of the real thing found in the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But the point here is that the activity of the Holy Spirit brings order and new life. Order and new life. This is what the scriptures reveal. And if the Holy Spirit can do it with the earth, <laughs> he can do it in us. If he can bring order and new life out of the planet, he can do it in us. And this is the invitation 
This is the invitation. Also, in Genesis chapter 1, the Holy Spirit has been a part of creation history. Genesis chapter, chapter 1, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So here, this is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit saying, let us make humans in our likeness, right? This is plural. So again, emphasizing the triune nature of God. You know, for some of us, when we think of the Holy Ghost, like it kind of like conjures up thoughts of swinging from the chandeliers, right? It's just like crazy. It's like, what is going on? And I recognize there might be some of us in this room that are still kind of recovering from some weird Pentecostal experience, and I'm just sorry for that, and I recognize that for sure. But at the same time, we need, to, we, just, we need to embrace that the Holy Spirit, we need to embrace the Holy Spirit as we do the Father and as we do the Son because he is one of the three persons of the triune being of God. So check this out, check this out. This is, uh, this is absolutely profound. And I don't, I don't care where you're at. I don't mean to be flippant, but um, where, wherever you land on the spectrum of your faith journey, this is profound. I truly believe this. God himself is a relationship. In his very essence, him in his unified self is a relationship. Dr. Tim Mackey from the Bible Project, uh, I highly recommend if you guys are interested in doctrine and theology and want to see, have a proper lens to look to, to God and through the church, Check out the Bible Project, highly recommend it. We're actually doing an annual Bible reading plan with the Bible Project. There's videos, such an incredible nonprofit, uh, helping a whole generation grow in biblical literacy. So this guy, Dr. Tim Mackey, um, he often explains this, and I, and I kind of paraphrase this kind of to make it a little bit more succinct, but he says that God's very essence and nature and character is a self-giving community of love. God has always been in an eternal relationship. <laughs> and now he has invited us into it. What am I saying? I'm saying you are being invited into the Trinity. <laughs> you are being invited into this community of love with God himself. Do I live that way? Do I live with that kind of like acceptance? Do I live that with that kind of unity that I am in this relationship and oneness with God himself and this trinity of, this community of love? It's profound. So the Father and the Son have this relationship of mutual loving, giving, and serving. Now we are called to be a part of that community of God. And when we come to church, it's not just to have a nice hour together, right? It's to be an expression of, of that triune reality on earth. We're called to be image bearers of this beautiful invitation. You guys tracking with me? Yeah. It's powerful stuff. It, it woos my heart. Theology calls it mutual indwelling. Mutual indwelling. God dwells in us, and then we dwell in God. It's incredible. You know, I think, though, it's, it's confusing sometimes. Uh, <laughs> the, the name of the Holy Spirit can be confusing at times. And so track with me here, but I, I, I want to like imagine if the Holy Spirit had a more ordinary name, okay? Maybe like, maybe like Tobias. No, not Tobias. Maybe like Bill. Okay, let's do Bill. So what if he had a more ordinary name like Bill so you can kind of say, all right, I'm going to go get some advice from Bill. 
versus, you know, I'm planning on seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit on this matter. Right? Just a little, you know, so if the Holy Spirit's name was Bill, formal churches can call him William and feel proper. And then churches that were a little bit more on the wild side can call him Billy. What do you think? Is this a good idea? No, not a good idea. Um, I kid. God has a sense of humor, too. It's good to, to be silly. But I think the reality is, is that it's confusing. I think it's like the Holy Spirit. Is that his name? Like a Holy Spirit? Yes, it is his name. And I think we should just, like, embrace him and just embrace kind of like it seems kind of like a formal name, but the Holy Spirit. But we just embrace him and receive him. He's our friend. He's our helper. But I also need, think it's important for us to recognize that the Holy Spirit is isn't only his name, it's a description of his role. It's a description of his role. Just like the Father and the Son describe the specific role of God the Father and God the Son, same goes for the Holy Spirit. It's a description of his role that God, the Holy Spirit, plays in our life. So this word uh, spirit, so how does this play out? How does this play out? Well, this word spirit in uh, John 3 is the Greek word Pneuma, right? Which means, actually, it means breath or wind. And so the work of the Spirit or Pneuma is this invisible and mysterious, is invisible and mysterious like the blowing of the wind, Pneuma. And so the Holy Spirit is the very breath and wind of God that moves in and through our lives. And I think this is a really challenging idea. It's like it's just, we are embodied beings. And so we're talking about a disembodied or like a spirit. And so it's hard for us to kind of conceptualize this, but this is, this is what God has offered to us as a gift to empower us to live out this Christian life. And so I think, where am I? Yeah, it's back to Nicodemus. So I think this, cha- this is challenging for us, but it's also challenging to Nicodemus. And so he's presented with this reality. You must be born again, spirit born. As we said, it's the Holy Spirit that gives birth to spiritual life. You know, when we pray for somebody, like let's say someone was like, I want to give my heart to Jesus, for example, and I want to I experience this new life and this hope and like this regeneration of my very being. I want to pray a prayer to, to do that. You know, it's, the, it's, it's not the actual prayer that makes that happen. It's the activity of the Holy Spirit. And so the prayer partners with God and partners with the Holy Spirit, but it's the Holy Spirit that's actually doing the work to unify us with the achievement of Jesus. And just, you know, just because we repeat some words or appears, you know, appears that we, we are praying, or someone appears that they're praying, doesn't mean that they're necessarily born again. It's so much greater than that. It's not necessarily more complicated for us than that, but it is greater than that. So let's, un- let's unpack this idea of born again, shall we? This idea of born again. So this is spiritual rebirth. Spiritual rebirth, but not only just this rebirth into the now, but rebirth into eternity. It's rebirth into the kingdom of God, also known as eternal life, where you enter into a realm that is endless and because we're in unity with God who is endless. And it's this this miracle and this mystery of the Holy Spirit to transform someone into a new creation. It's it's profound. So what God is doing here is he wants to bring renewal to his creation. And we are the first fruits of that. 
And so we get to live out this new creation reality, also known as heaven, right here. Right here. It's beautiful and profound. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not words um, or like let's just prayer alone. It's not good works alone. It's not even belief. Well, it, it is belief, but it's not belief alone. It does take an act of volition. It does take a decision, but it's embedded by the miraculous and mysterious way of the Holy Spirit that allows people to be renewed and born again. Jesus is explained to Nicodemus that how you enter, this, he's explaining how, you, how the kingdom of God is entered into, right? You must be born again. You, you're born physically, and then you're born spiritually, twice born. And I, really, I feel like this is really significant for us to understand because we're not, we are not talking about just spiritual experiences, right? We're not talking about just because you could have a spiritual, spiritual experience and not encounter God. You can have a spiritual experience and not be born again. It, cannot, it might not be actually the Holy Spirit. It might not be a Jesus experience. It's a different spiritual experience entirely. In fact, you know, nowadays it's quite normal. Um, I, I think even if you get closer into the city, but even now, and I think definitely in the emerging generation, it's normal to hear someone say, like, I'm not, I'm not really religious, but I am really spiritual, right? You've heard that? And to be honest, like, frankly, I, I get that because I don't want to be known as a religious person. I'm not basing my life on, like, man-made mechanisms of ritual. I'm basing my life on a person, on a person of Jesus and my relationship with, with him and his ways. So I get this idea of spirituality, but... I think the people oftentimes when they, when they use that term is it's using different terms than I would. And so let's un unpack this a little bit. Um, I think sometimes when, when people are talking about spirituality, so spirituality is becoming more and more co common, right? It's not uncommon to be spiritual. And I can nerd out on like the era where tr we're, trans we're kind of transitioning out of like an, an intellectual paradigm from late modernity into post-modernity, where spiritual experience is, is becoming more and more normal, right? And so it's not uncommon to be spiritual, but people, here's the truth. People are letting in the wrong spirits. They're having spiritual experiences, but they're letting in the wrong spirits. They're not letting in the Holy Spirit. They're letting in unclean spirits. Here's, here's a, a sampling of spirituality in, in Austin, Texas, right? Just, just from like a quick... Google search. Here's the plethora here. Temple of source, finding source through the heart and chakra clearing. Metaphysical and holistic life expo. Overnight sacred medicine celebration. Full moon ritual. Self-Reiki workshop for healing and empowerment. Right? And the list goes on. And there, there are many spiritual things, but spirituality by itself disconnected from God is, is, not, is not what we're going for. We need the right spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. But So Jesus is describing to Nicodemus this fundamental reality of salvation, this miraculous work of the Holy Spirit where a person becomes brand new spiritually, and then it starts to manifest even physically and, and in the natural. This is how the Apostle Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And it says this, verse 17. 
This means that anyone who belongs to, to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So yes, the Holy Spirit is mysterious like the wind, but I believe this with all my heart. He is here, and he is for you. And he wants to partner with you to help us walk out this life together. And so the, the, the invitation, friends, and the invitation for me and for you is will we be attentive to him? You know, I, I talk a lot about like contemplative prayer and the importance of our attention. And so we give Jesus our attention and we give the Holy Spirit our attentiveness because he allows us to see and give kind of weight and value and substance to what we're seeing. And we'll kind of talk about that more in a moment. But we must be attentive to him. We have to allow him to gently lead us and instruct us in the way that we must go. Here's how the Message Bible describes it in, in modern language. It's a paraphrase. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, Paul says, Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. We can't take the Holy Spirit for granted, right? We can't take him for granted. We need to pay attention to his voice. The Holy Spirit speaks. You guys know that he loves to speak. He's the author. He inspired the word of God. He loves to speak to our hearts. Are we attuning our hearts to his voice? Are we giving attention to his presence in our life, especially when it's mundane, especially when we're in work mode, right? Are we giving, he cares about that stuff. Are we giving attention to his direction? You know, there is a lot of, there is a lot of mystery to the Holy Spirit, but it's also incredibly beautiful and miraculous. It's miraculous. It's incredible and, and it's this miracle <laughs> that the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe wants to interact with you and me, right? I'm, I'm imperfect. We are flawed. We're foolish. We're willful. And he wants to interact with us. It's incredible. You know, a relationship with the Holy Spirit, it's, what does it take? It takes humility. It takes faith. It takes attentiveness. And it takes sensitivity. This world seems to conspire to barrage us with so much that we numb ourselves, right? It's like we just numb ourselves. We numb our thinking. We, do, we, we self-medicate. We, we change our thought patterns to numb ourselves. But I feel like it's been weaponized against us because we're losing sensitivity to God. We're losing our attention and our sensitivity to the one who loves us the most. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God... God, the Holy Spirit, comes upon people for special tasks and assignments. We see this throughout the scriptures. One of my favorite ones is he, he comes and anoints uh, this, this gentleman who is kind of charged and commissioned to be the interior designer of the temple of God. And the scriptures show that he, he came and anointed him to, to, to beautify, to, to bring embroidery and just the, the interior design. It's kind of, it's, isn't that incredible that God wants to come and help you in what you're doing? and anoint you with, your, with his power for the tasks that you're doing, and it brings glory to God when we partner with him. It's incredible. And then, with, and then there's Gideon in Judges, Judges 6, verse 34. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet. And this was like 
this death blow or like this battle kind of cry that defeated their enemies. And then Samson, another example in Judges 14, 6, the spirit of the Lord came upon him in power so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands. Saul, um, in 1 Samuel 10, 10, the spirit of God came upon him in power and he joined in their prophesying. There, there is there, there. There, there is, is the prophets of the time, and he joined in with their prophesying. So it's clear, and there's many other examples, but it's clear, clear that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was working to help people do amazing exploits, do amazing things. I think so many, so many times I just feel like I just, I, I just ignore God. <laughs> oh, if I just strategize enough, if I just pray enough, if I just do this on my own, then maybe I'll achieve something. It's like, no, why don't I just turn and allow myself to be attentive to God himself? He doesn't even send an angel or some force or something like that. He's sending him his very self. I love this. You see it throughout, throughout the scriptures. Moses, Samson, Daniel, David, and all of, the, all of the prophets, like Isaiah, who said this in Isaiah 61, verse 1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that, that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. I love that passage. And it's like, what, what's, what's the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Why should we be so attentive to his presence? Is it just to make me feel good? Is it just for me to like come off like I'm really spiritual or something like that? Have a therapeutic moment? No, it's actually to do these things. It's to bring the good news of the gospel to the poor, those who are actually poor and those who are poor in spirit, poor in, like, who are just impoverished mentally. Like, here's good news for you. Jesus has grace and power for you. He died for you. The Holy Spirit comes to comfort the brokenhearted. Man, we live in a brokenhearted era. Brokenheartedness is, is everywhere, but we get empowered to bring comfort from God to the brokenhearted. And then we get to proclaim freedom over those who are imprisoned, literally, and those who are imprisoned by, by depression and anxiety and addiction. We come by the power of the Holy Spirit and break those chains. This is our call. This is our calling. So the Holy Spirit, though, throughout the Scriptures, he wasn't living, the distinction between the Old Testament and the New Testament is that he wasn't living in people. He, was, he would come upon them and empower them. But Jesus came Praise God, Jesus came to usher in a whole new age, a whole new era. This is spirit of life era, this new covenant where God now lives inside of us. It's a totally new way of living brought by Jesus dealing a death blow to sin itself and death itself. And now we get to reemerge, we get to resurrect into this new life where the, where the God of the universe dwells inside of us. And then so this plays out with Jesus ascending to the Father and then sending his Holy Spirit to his church, Acts 2. And so he begins this work of redemption of all things, bringing things back to God's original design. You know, in the New Testament, um, now we get, to, we have, as I mentioned, we now have this, we, have, we now have God dwelling inside of us. If I were to ask you like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense, I walk with that reality and consciousness all the time. 
God in his fullness is in my body. I'm a temple. Like, that just makes sense to me. Maybe there's a few of us, but I'm still waking up to a fresh revelation of God who lives inside of us, right? It's incredible. So here's some verses that just proclaim the indwelling of the Spirit as our helper, as our comforter, and as our counselor, all right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it's also in 619. Paul says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16, the Holy Spirit will be in you. John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that I said, that I've said. Romans 6, or Romans 8, 9, the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. That's a word for somebody this morning. Luke 12, 11, the Holy Spirit will help us to know what to say. Romans 8, 15, the Holy Spirit helps, helps us to remember that we are adopted as God's children. Wow, I need to be reminded of that. The Holy Spirit comes and helps that. Romans 15, 13, the Holy Spirit is the source of our hope. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 3, 17, the Holy Spirit brings freedom to us. Praise God. And so this is not just a New Testament experience as we've been talking about. This has been the case throughout Scripture. Holy Spirit has been active in human history throughout, throughout history. But now the Holy Spirit is, is here with us, and he's here inside of us to change our very nature, to change our very nature. So I want to ask this question, though. It's like, let's get a little bit more practical. How do we know, how do we know who he is? Okay. There's a lot of ways I can answer this. And right off the bat, a little bonus right here. If you want to know what Holy Spirit's like, look to Jesus. What's the nature? What's, like, how would Holy Spirit respond to this? Like, what would he do? In the, look to Jesus, because he's the spirit of Jesus. If, in a lot of ways, you can say, well, the Holy Spirit is just more of Jesus in spirit form. They, were, they, are, they are one in nature and one in character. But let's, let's go a little more practically. The Holy Spirit, as, this is almost like as a filter for how do, I know this to, how do I know this is the Holy Spirit? How do I recognize if this is his voice? We have a lot of voices vying for our attention, don't we? How do we know it's the voice of God? How do we, know, how do we distinguish between the Holy Spirit and counterfeit spirits? How do we know who the Holy Spirit is and who, who he isn't? So I want to give these filters. I keep thinking of these bonuses. Here's another bonus. I didn't put it in my text here. It's everything that the Holy Spirit does and says is congruent with the message of the gospel. If it's incongruent with the gospel, it's not the Holy Spirit. There it is. So, so a couple more here. He always glorifies Jesus. He always glorifies Jesus. Everything that he does is to illuminate and to glorify, to elevate the Messiah. And so let's read John, John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So above all else, I believe that the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus and his good news of the gospel and his life-giving ministry. And so if Jesus isn't a part, if Jesus is being relegated or demoted or decentralized, 
and from any conversation or from any activity or thought pattern, it is not the work of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So the question we must ask ourselves is, is, is this from the Holy Spirit? Is, is, does this glorify Jesus? Does this glorify Jesus? So let's quickly unpack glorify. It's kind of like a, a churchy word. So let's, let's unpack this. One of my favorite words, though, glory. Just love this word. So it's a Greek word, which means, which, which means to ascribe weight, like weightiness, by recognizing real substance or value and valuing him for who he really is, valuing God, valuing Jesus for who he really is. This is to glorify. For example, giving or ascribing glory to God. So the Holy Spirit gives weight and real substance to our realization of Jesus. He helps us see Jesus for all the glory that he is worthy of. And it helps people value Jesus for who he really is. It's like it helps, he helps us worship him. He helps us. We don't worship God even on our own strength. Isn't that wild? We don't understand him on our own strength. God helps us understand him and adore him and glorify him. So the Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't glorify us. He doesn't really glorify us. He glorifies, he doesn't lift me up. He's not sitting here like, okay, Zach's so great. Like he just, no, he doesn't do that. He's glorifying, he's lifting up Jesus. This is like the reality, the, the dynamic of the upside down kingdom. Our Messiah who lowered himself to the point of a shameful, torturous death is now being glorified by the Holy Spirit and by the Godhead. So we, you know, the thing is we tend to glorify ourselves, <laughs> Right? I don't know about you, but I tend to glorify myself. Like I'm just like, well, I, I worked really hard, or I have this gift, or I have this thing. And I think, I think we as human beings can tend to glorify ourselves. Right? It's like my gift of giving or my gift of administration, but the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. He doesn't even glorify himself. Throughout the scriptures, he's not glorifying himself. He's glorifying and, and bringing revelation to Jesus and the gospel. So the, the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus and proclaims his grace. And so here's a, here's a kind of landing the plan here. So lean in for this last part. He's kind of like, he's kind of like a light bulb. Okay, this is an illustration. And of course, he's way greater than a light bulb, but just track with me. He's kind of like a light bulb. So you, you don't turn on a light bulb and then just stare into the light bulb like, yeah, that's really interesting. Right? Normally you don't. Normally you turn it on and you, and you like, it brings illumination to what you're doing. Right? It brings illumination to the book that you're reading or to a situation or to the room or to your path or to a hazard. Right? That happens in the physical. This happens with the Holy Spirit. We turn on, like we be attentive to the Holy Spirit. We see him working and bring illumination. Let the light in. We sang that. Holy Spirit brings illumination to the scriptures, brings illumination. Where should I go? What should my path be? What's my purpose? Like how should I love this person? What should I be careful about? The Holy Spirit comes and provides that. Does that make sense? So, so the, this is, this, he glorifies Jesus. He brings illumination to the gospel. And so, uh, secondly, this is my last point here. He, he allow, he, the Holy Spirit is a good gift. He is a good gift. Look how Luke records Jesus' words in Luke chapter 11, verse 9. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. 
Keep, keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who seeks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's interesting how, how Jesus emphasizes this repetition, right? Just to, like, to be devoted to this asking process, to keep on asking, keep on seeking, and to keep on knocking. And I think this is the case for two reasons. The first one is this. There's so much more to God. <laughs> there's just so much more. Once you think that you're like at the precipice of like the knowledge of Christ, you get there and you're like, whoa, it's just expanding limitlessly. The more you know, the more, like, I, love being a, I love being a student of the scriptures. I love being a, I love being a Christian because it's just like it continues to expand. It's beautiful. There's always more to know about God, and it's through the Holy Spirit that a lot of this illumination happens. There's, there's no end to the mercy of God. Maybe some of us need to remember that. There is no end to God's mercy. There's no end to his forgiveness. Do we truly, like the, the deepest part of us, do we know that there's no end to his forgiveness for you and for your past? There's no end to his power. and There's no end to his presence. There's no end to the brightness of the future that we have with him. And then number two, why we need to keep asking is humans leak. We leak. Like we just spill out whatever's inside of us, whatever we're carrying in our, in our being, it spills out. If we have bitterness inside of us, it spills out. If there's, if there's um, I don't know, like unbelief, it spills out. If there's impatience, it spills out. If there's greed, it spills out. But if there's generosity, that spills out. If there's faith, it spills out. If there's joy and love, that spills out, right? This is just what happens. And so I want to suggest to us that you and I be filled with the Holy Spirit every single day. Let it be said of One Chapel Lake Travis, when that church, when they are squeezed by life, they spill out the love of Jesus. They spill out perseverance. They, they don't, they're not malicious. They don't gossip. They glorify the Lord. <laughs> they serve others. Let it be said of us. Let it be said of you and I. You know, if I, don't, if I don't have the Holy Spirit and his goodness and his love and his, and his peace and his kindness and his order operating inside of me, man, it just honestly goes to hell. Like, it's like my flesh takes over, my mind takes over, my fears my frustrations, my irritations start to control me. My selfish desires, they take over. I think that we can say that about ourselves. So how do, I, how do I let, Gabriel, you can come up and move to a close here. So how do we allow, how do we allow the Holy Spirit to bring the joy and the peace and the life-giving order into the midst, into the midst of, our, of our chaos? How do we allow the Holy Spirit to bring who he is inside of us? Well, we simply ask. We simply ask. We simply ask. 
I often, I'm a proponent of contemplative prayer. And really, that's, this is a relationship, right? This is a relationship where we, we just sit together, sometimes in silence, and just put ourselves before the Lord. And we simply ask for more of him. God, would you reveal your Holy Spirit to me? Are we asking for that? God, I want to give you my heart right now. I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my mind. Holy Spirit, I want to, I just pray right now that you would fill me up. Even right now as I'm speaking, would you just start to shift and hear from your spirit? Lord, would you fill me up? Would you give me eyes to see? Help me to, to see in a way that transcends the natural into the spirit realm where you dwell. Would you fill me with your presence? Would you come and bring your love and your joy and your peace into my heart? So my action step, I wanna, I wanna give us an action step every week, okay? And the action step for this week is to do just that, to ask God to reveal the Holy Spirit to you, to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. We, so the invitation today is we cannot overlook the Holy Spirit. Let's not overlook him. Let's not ignore him. Let's not resist him. Let's not be afraid of him. Let's yield to him. Let's yield to the Holy Spirit and then experience the new life and freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. For the rest of our moments here together, I want us to just allow God to come and minister and allow his tangible presence to come and flutter over us, if you will. You willing to do that? So maybe you open up your hands like this, or if you're comfortable, put your hands on your heart. Just as a gesture to your own body, I'm here to encounter God. I'm here to receive the presence of the Lord. Let's just invite him to speak. So Father, I thank you that you have orchestrated this plan of salvation. Jesus, I thank you that you are faithful and obedient and humble to accomplish that plan. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here right now applying it to our hearts, <laughs> applying it to our lives, applying it to our relationships, bringing new life and resurrection reality to us. And so, Lord, I just repent of all of the ways that I've numbed myself all the ways that I've tried to avoid you or I've ignored you. I just open up my heart in vulnerability and I want to be sensitive to you right now. So thank you that you're gentle and you're patient wherever we are on this journey. If we're just learning how to do it or if we've been doing it for 40 years, you're faithful and you're good. So even for a moment, would you just pour out your love? As the, as the scriptures promise, would you pour out your love? Pour out your presence and speak to our hearts.
believe I'm getting a word um, from the Lord, and I feel like there's many of us in this room who have been kind of operating from like a careful place, just being careful about things. And I, would, I just want to affirm that that's okay. <laughs> but there's a right way to be careful. I think there's careful and cautious that works kind of double-sided. We can be careful also not to quench the spirit. Be careful not to live on the wrong path. To be careful about being true to our word and true to our faith and living it out. And then I also feel like there's an invitation to be a people who are willing to, to ante up a little bit, to, be, to, to risk kind of in a contrast and bringing balance to the carefulness, to risk. Lord, I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to wake up early and spend time with you. Would you meet me? Would you, would you teach me? I'm going to go after these relationships to, to learn more about you. Would you bring fruit from that? I'm going to give more money. I'm going to do more time, whatever it may be, just risk. So Lord, I thank you for speaking. I thank you for whether it's that word or just the words that you're putting on individuals, bringing peace to anxiety, bringing stability to instability, bringing joy to hopelessness. Thank you for unity in the midst of discord. And so Lord, I pray that whatever you're doing in this room and all the things that we're learning about you, Holy Spirit, would you seal it? Would you protect it? I thank you for my friends here, this incredible group of people that we get to have the honor of loving each other and loving you together. I thank you that we get to do it from a place of ease. We don't do it on our own. We don't strive. <laughs> we get to enjoy. It does mean risk sometimes. It does take discipline. But we get to do it from the easy yoke of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We glorify you. We surrender to you. We yield to you. We thank you for your freedom in this place. In Jesus' name.